noticed a change in Reno lately? I sure have. Well then, keep up with the movers and shakers and unique people of Reno by listening to the Our Town Reno podcast, where we discuss helping each other out. New episodes play every week and feature real Reno stories told by us, the people who live here. Listen in. What's up, Up of the Mixers? We've got another ad from a friend of the show. And it's your friendly neighborhood toy store. Katie Empire is your local premium pop culture and vinyl toy store in the Reno Sparks area. They specialize in designer figures, amazing anime merch. Katie Empire carries many rare and limited pieces from some of the top artists and companies. They are located at 433 Pyramid Way in Sparks. For new arrivals, make sure you check out their Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at KD Empire. Welcome to another edition of Up in the Mix, coming to you hot from the Honeycomb Hideout. This is Sean, a.k.a. The Truth, a.k.a. The Super Nicest. This is Caesar, a.k.a. Della Foto, a.k.a. Tracksuit Boppy, a.k.a. The Honey Badger. And we are back this week for episode number 165. Oh, we're getting up there. I know, right? Mm-hmm. It's, there's, there's, you know, they just keep stacking up. <laughs> we're just like LeBron, just keep Give going. points, Give yeah. Stacking them numbers. Stacking them numbers. Him and Luca. Be putting up the numbers lately. Numbers on the board. That's what we should have named the last <laughs> last episode. I was like, what did Caesar keep saying? Uh, numbers on the board. It happens. But uh, we have a very special guest joining us this mm-hmm. week here in the Honeycomb Hideout. Uh, welcome to the show, Vanessa Van Coor. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are you doing this Saturday, this frigid Saturday morning? Doing pretty well. I've been up early. My older daughter had swim practice, so I've been up and at it since... Before seven. Nice, mm. nice. That sounds great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what time did you get up, Sean? Uh, oh, I got up at like, I mean, I woke up at like seven thirty, but yeah. I looked, definitely laid in bed till like eight thirty because it was cold. Yeah, I didn't. No, I was up at seven too. I had to do my chores this morning. Yeah. I woke up at uh, the good thing is I woke up at my normal time at like six, and I got up and turned the heat on. Mm. And then Went back to sleep, but it was still, you know. back and cuddled up a little bit, you know. Yeah. But you have a story You have a story time for yeah, us this your, week? Your boy's been taking L's all week. So I uh, started off the week at the 9 to 5. They told us we got to go back to work soon. So I've been working from home uh, these last couple of years now, so it's been great. Saving money on gas, saving money on eating out. You know, my car doesn't get crazy miles anymore. It's been fantastic. Watching Leia, oh, mm-hmm. free free childcare, dude. And now, you know, the man's just like April third. We got to go back. And for those of you that don't know, the man is the new uh, governor of Nevada. <laughs> yes, who uh, fucking shit up a little like, bit. Like made everyone go back to work, but like he didn't know realize that they didn't have offices for everyone. So he came in and was like, everyone has to go back to work January eighteenth, and they had to be like, uh, we yeah. don't have leases offices or offices anymore. for all these people to do that and like it's not in the budget because we're saving so much money we stopped like leasing and renting these buildings 
because it was, you yeah, know. Because, like, the government really doesn't own things. They just lease things from other buildings and things like that. So, you know, typically you mm-hmm. want to save money in this area. Mm-hmm. So then they had to, like, say, oh, sorry, and then, like, push it back to July mm-hmm. for most people so they can go out and find buildings for all of these. Uh, again, yeah? Yeah, you know, just solving problems where there were, were none. Uh, I'm making more problems. You making know? more problems, wasting money. It's politics. That's what happens. It's part yeah. of the game. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I was but, talking to uh, Steve about it. So. Yeah, so we got to go. Steve works with me, and April 3rd is our day back, so we've got a couple months left, you know? Got to figure Hopefully, out child care. Child care, day, or maybe preschool or something. Whatever we get into first, pretty much, you know? Because there's waiting lists for everything. Yeah. And then, uh, but yeah, that's the first L. And then the <laughs> so there's more. Second L. Uh <clears throat> I, uh, you know, submitted photos for a gallery in Portland, and I didn't get picked. But it's all, it's all right. Well, well. Yeah. Sometimes you got to take L's. It happens. It's part of the game. What are you going to do? You got, well, you know, some people don't take L's. Yeah. Don't take L's well. They refuse right. to acknowledge them. <laughs> yeah. And, you know. But it's a growing process. You exactly. Know? You can't learn yeah. if you don't admit, you know, exactly. to defeat. You got to learn how to take an L. Yeah. Well, that was a sad story time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm was, sorry you didn't get the gallery. Yeah, it's all right, though, you know? It's like, you can't, you can't get everything, you know? Because I try to submit, usually at the beginning of the year, um, galleries, um, there's photo contests at the beginning of the year, and every year I'd, like, pick one, see what happens, you know? Like, I did one in London, and I was, like, I was in, like, the last top five that one year, and it was, it was I didn't even expect it either, and it's all by votes, too. You gotta, you gotta like, saturate. You gotta, yeah. You gotta like send more out there. Yeah, but be just, like a, a just, guy on, on Tinder just swiping <laughs> right on everyone. See which one hits. Yeah, nah. One, what happens? To maybe two. You know, like see, you know, because I do photos for me mainly, but it's cool if other people see it. You know, but yeah. Well, Vanessa, welcome to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like theoretically you've been a guest for for a long time, <laughs> and we finally like made it happen, uh, but. Start off, where are you from? How did you end up in Reno? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so honored to be here. I have been in Reno for 16 years. I moved here in 2006 from Southern California, from the Los Angeles area. And I came to start my journalism career. So back then, if you've been here long enough, you would remember that in the Meadowood Mall, inside what is now Forever <laughs> 21, was a TV station. Mm. And it was Reno's first HD newscast, which was its claim to fame back then. It was a big deal. They invested all this money into high def everything. We had a partnership with Colo to do live shots. And it was a really cool model because they had... All of the journalists were bilingual, so we produced a Spanish 6 o'clock newscast for Azteca America and a 10 o'clock English newscast for the CW. So that's what brought me to Reno. I did all of my interviews over the phone. Even though I grew up relatively close, I'd never heard of Reno, never been to Reno. Uh, I remember asking the producer to describe Reno, and he was <laughs> like, well, we've got mountains and desert to the east. And I was like, Cool. I'm coming. So especially back then, you know, like yeah, Reno you know, doesn't look at all like it does now. That was Not a long time at all. ago. It was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was like two Renos ago. <laughs> yeah. So mountains, water, and uh, outdoors, and some desert. Yeah. Have fun. I was sold. Yeah. So that's what brought me here, and I've been here since. Uh, what were your first impressions when you yes, moved here from Southern tell California? Us, yeah. tell, tell us what you thought. Uh, I mean, I was 22, so it was the first place I'd lived the only place I'd lived that wasn't home, you know, Southern California. But I will never forget 
driving over I-80 at night and having all my stuff piled in my car. My mom's following me in the car behind me and I see the casinos Mm -hmm. and I just got this sinking pit in my stomach (laughs) and I was like, oh shit, what am I doing? Like I'm all alone. I don't know anyone here. I had no idea there were casinos. Like I just had no clue. So, um, but I think sometimes being naive to that degree is good. You know, I think you don't have any expectations. I had no expectations. Yeah. So it was nice because most of us were transfers from other places. Most of the journalists com- came from other parts of the country. So we were all here alone without connections. And so the, we, you know, your work friends became your friend friends. And we also worked so much that we didn't really go out that much. And I didn't make any money. So we were also all this sounds together. Like a great, yeah. This sounds like a great time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a great. We went to Bullies a lot. Like, that's where we hung out. So <laughs> That's pretty much what was here. Yeah. Bullies. <laughs> that's funny yeah. yeah but i also like when she saw casinos the pit the pit yeah. uh i see casinos and i get the same feeling still. i mean they're not like <laughs> appealing no are they especially back then like smelling like cigarettes like they even all still smell bad like yes they help out our economy but sometimes they crush the they <laughs> give a crutch to the economy too here so mm. mm-hmm. so what made you stay here because <laughs> well, obviously that tv station yeah. Uh, went now it's a forever 21 yeah it went under I got fired before they they went under and it's the only job knock on wood I've been fired from but um I ended up staying well I my my intention initially was like a lot of journalists and tv is to come for a couple of years and then go to a bigger market and a lot of people from Reno will either go to Vegas or Sacramento because Reno's considered a mid-sized market and it's gotten bigger obviously since then um, but I had a baby. I got pregnant and that changed my entire trajectory. So I stayed for that. You know, my daughters are here and their dad's here. And so I'm here for, for long haul. Forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's well, funny how, you know, we, tr- people end up here for different reasons, mm-hmm. but they end up staying. Mm-hmm. You know, it's or they come back. I've heard so many stories of yeah. people who are from here and went elsewhere and then they came back. And I think that's reason. part of the reason Reno's changed is transplants like yourself or people who maybe left and then came back and learned stuff somewhere else and and bring it back here Mm -hmm. they've seen the goodness out there and they just want to bring it here yeah i i've always said reno's so cool because even back then which you know reno whatever version it was you always felt like you could be a big fish in a small pond and you guys know this right it's so relationship based Mm -hmm. if you are in it to do good or to be connected or to connect people it's easier to do that here right you know and so that i think is the most appealing quality of the community is feeling like you can have an impact and you can really connect with people and have access to people and granted i haven't lived in other communities besides my young 20s being in la but it just that's one of the I things mean, it's la you're yeah. not gonna get that there yeah, yeah. that's it just seems like such a bigger thing to have to overcome it's like a know? bigger step bigger hurdle to yeah. go through over there because everyone there's more people doing the same thing, too. Right. So the competition is higher. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, what made you pursue a career in journalism? Was there inspiration there? Like, what what was your motive to get into journalism? Yeah, I so I grew up in Southern California, and I didn't know that the people on camera were journalists. I th- actually thought a lot of them were actors, or it was like an entertainment thing. And I was in I high mean, school. Sometimes it seems like thing it. to do with the news these days. Especially in LA, you have weathermen with like weather related names, right? Like they have personas. And 
I, I legit thought part, those were their names. Part of the gimmick? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. And so I was like a sophomore in high school when I started getting, ma- back then, you know, we got mailers from colleges that were recruiting students. And so I started getting collateral from universities and, and I was starting to look and I was like, oh my gosh, you can study journalism and TV people study these things. And so... That was my, and I always loved reading and writing and like talking to people and getting to know their stories. And so it just seemed like something I would really enjoy. And I ended up going to USC's journalism school. That was like my dream school. Wow. Um, Must have had good grades in high school. Yes. I was such a nerd, like big time nerd, like still am, but like such like a good student. I also went to Catholic school don't my feel, whole life. Don't feel guilty about no. being a good student. You're I, talking to a teacher. I know. <laughs> What's cool I, now, nerds, nerds, we're in. We're cool again, we're cool, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I did. I had good grades. I like did everything I could to get into that school and then pursued journalism there. And I, I did TV because that's kind of all I knew. Like I didn't come from a family that consumed media or was super critical in the way they consume media and TV was what I knew being there mm-hmm. and um, which was fun but I I never like enjoyed being on camera I think some people really like being on camera I really wanted to tell stories and would get uncomfortable like being recognized or like being identified for that because I also was a weather anchor in my time in Reno and I just felt like such a phony because I'm not a meteorologist and I realized people don't really give a shit if I was a scientist or not. They just cared about what I looked like and how I sounded, and that was just really discouraging. So my Welcome heart was TV, always, right? mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> I wish I'd done public radio. And my goal back then was to move into, like, network news or somewhere where you could do longer-form storytelling because that was always my, my favorite thing. And local TV is not that. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, and also being a weather woman either. No. Oh, I mean, now there's social media. Back when I was there, we were just starting to use Twitter. But the things, the comments and the emails that I would get that were so gendered and wildly (laughs) inappropriate that now women are talking about publicly because of social media, right? We we would get some terrible emails of all kinds. And I didn't have the tools back then emotionally to deal with that, but also no mentorship to really, like, stand up for it. You know, still that very, like good girl, nice on-camera person that didn't tell people. I mean, you're also not expecting that at, yeah. like, a young 20-something. At 22, yeah. As a professional, just to <laughs> harass like that. Totally, totally. Like, who does expect that, you Especially know? Especially in Reno, like, kind of wild, wild west back then, too, where it's like, there wasn't that much culture here, you know? So Yeah. It was just kind of, like, very misogynistic and things like that. Super. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was wild. <laughs> I saved a bunch of those for a long time, and... I think I might have finally gotten rid of them because no one needs to revisit that. No, <laughs> no, no. Keep it moving. It's yeah. in the past. You're better than that. <laughs> That's don't right. Worry. Don't worry. It's like we had. They're small and petty. Uh, our friend Grace Hayes is like a, a TikToker, and she's like, I don't even read the. Na- I stopped reading the negative comments. I had to stop because they were just so nasty and terrible. I'm like, yeah. I mean, especially in the internet where you're faceless, anonymous, it's so easy to write shit. People wild out. Yeah, and I i mean, I would get emails. Back then it was email. There was one really nasty email, and I was, like, obsessively trying to figure out, like, the IP address and, like, the address. <laughs> Who it was? And be, like, she was going to track them down. Yeah, I was like, who do they think they are? And I wasted Someone's going to have slash tires soon. <laughs> I, you know what? I like that energy. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes people need to get called out on things. Oh, that's you know? what happens. Like, anytime I would respond, and I've seen this on social media, too, 
people forget there's a human being and they hide behind these emails or fake accounts or whatever. And it's awful, but they're real people. Yeah. You know, but, and they also, this, the psychology around like people who watch the news all the time, they start to feel like they know you. Like they would say things like, well, you're in my living room every day or I wake up with you every morning. And so they <laughs> felt this connection. You're part of their life. Yeah. yeah. But it was one sided, you know, <laughs> like, like I've know you. never been in your house. Yeah. I don't know yeah. you. I'm yeah. <laughs> you don't have to let me in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's more channels. There's yeah. Exactly. Back in the day, three no one's more. one's forcing you to do this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But they develop a relationship with you or they think they have. And I mean, we all have our sort of favorite people, but that next level of like taking the time to send an email to either criticize you or hit on you or comment on your appearance was like uncalled for. <laughs> oh, I got a chance. Creepy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's creepy. So she creepy. doesn't know she doesn't know who I am or nothing. Mm-hmm. She's in my house though. Mm-hmm. Every day. Monday Talk about Friday. shooting your shots. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and through email. They're not, not even in the gym, bro. <laughs> yeah. They're not even sliding the DMs. It's crazy email. Direct. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no. Pro tip, don't do those things. Yes, no. <laughs> Guys. No. Yeah, we're not making this is not a good idea. No. No, yeah. Bro. No. no woman's like, oh, yeah, oh, sweet. No, oh, thanks for taking. They're like the stalker time. spam. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> Next, guys. Imagine how you would react if a girl did that to you. You wouldn't be like, oh, this girl's so cool. You'd be like, mm. guys are different though. They tend to be a little, little, little thirsty and stuff. Yeah. You know, maybe. Yeah, especially at like twenty two, twenty three. Yeah, I'm, but like kids are different now. Like, kids oh, are, now they are. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking of like the modern twenty two year old okay. guy would know that's problematic. Mm-hmm. The 40-year-old, probably not. No. not probably, a, it wouldn't be a red flag for him. No, they probably still send emails. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Well, how did you uh, transition? I mean, so you're back. You, you have the background in journalism. You started out um, with the, the news, the now defunct news channel. And now you work with UNR, correct? I did, I, I, um, but I actually started my own business. That's what we were going to talk about. Yeah. I thought you still worked at UNR, too. No, I I am doing a workshop with them next month, so I still have a lot of friends who work on campus and love a lot of people who work there, but I don't officially work for the university anymore. Ah, mm-hmm. okay. Before we get into your brand, <laughs> how did you get uh, start working at the university, and what were you doing up there? Yeah, so I left news in 2010 around that time and around that time social media was just emerging as a strategy tool strategic tool so I went and worked for the tourism bureau for a minute and then I worked for a digital agency for a number of years doing account strategy and just learning how to use social media strategically and when I was at the agency the university had an opening in the journalism school that someone contacted me about and I went through the interview process and I got hired which is really unique because I don't have a master's and it's really hard to get a job in higher education because most positions require advanced degrees, which I think is really limiting to really Mm -hmm. experienced professionals. But I always am so grateful. I'm like, gosh, I probably wouldn't, I would say years into my job there, I probably would never be able to get this job now, even though I have the experience because of the crazy requirements they have. But I got hired to run a program that was called the Nevada Media Alliance, and it was this experiential-based program for journalists to learn basically hands-on training in le- in the legislature, so covering policy issues in the le- legislative session. And when in my first year we applied for funding for this national grant that they had applied for for a number of years, and 
one of the ideas I pitched was forming a bilingual multimedia production program, and I got funded. And so I had $35,000, like, seed money to test this experiment. And with that, I founded a program called Noticiero Mobile, which is which the journalism school's first bilingual production program. And so I, I, taught, I always taught social media as one class and then my bilingual production class. And I was at the university for six years. And now students can get a degree in Spanish language media, which is huge. Yeah, is look, cool. at, look at this fresh setter yeah. out here. What's up? <laughs> well, seeds come to fruition. Yes. That's right, yeah. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, anytime you get funding or recognition, I learned that was one of the many lessons I learned there. It legitimizes your work. Even though I knew we needed it back then, we had almost no Spanish language news in this community, even though our demographic has always been at least a quarter of the population. Yeah. And, um, and that for me, it just seemed so obvious. So I got the seed funding, I grew the program and a couple years later, I won the grand prize for that funding. So I got another hundred thousand dollars and then it became, I started doing national speaking engagements and it got a lot of recognition and that I was always just so proud of my students because I'd think, man, look at us little Reno over here being sought out by all these people. I mean, I'd get calls from people all over the country being like, how are you doing this? And how could we do this in our newsroom? And it just blew my mind. So it was amazing to have students in my class who spoke Spanish, whether they were heritage speakers or people who just love the language, who would say things like, no one ever, it never occurred to me to use my language as a professional skill set. Like I'm taking Spanish classes, but I'm not using my Spanish in these other departments. So it was really thinking about language as this interdisciplinary approach and application and it was amazing. I mean, we won national journalism awards. Like we, st I started a bilingual internship program with KUNR with their news director. It was awesome. That was my, like my baby. I'm so proud of that program and I'm so glad it lives on and students can get a degree and it's explicit that your language is an asset and we need more diverse journalists period. And we need to rethink like language and media and we don't have to be monolingual and we still have a long way to go, but that's what I did. Yeah. You should oh, be that's proud. Fantastic. That's awesome. to see something yeah. like that that you started, you know, and then here it is however many years later yeah. and, and you're not there anymore, but it's mm -hmm. still going strong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the dream, right? Is that we can leave something and it felt like the right time to leave for a number of reasons. And I mean, it was, it was, a, like a heartbreak for me to leave because I loved it so much but I'm still trying to find ways to stay involved in that and so last year right before I left the university I ended my sort of time there by presenting about this program at a conference in Mexico and at that conference I met other journalism professors and practitioners from around the U.S. who were also doing either studying Spanish language media or media in the Spanish-speaking community, and we wrote a book together that we published last year. And my chapter is on bilingual podcasting and radio production because that was one of the many things we did there, and my dream was always to design this model that we could replicate in other places around the country. So again, having a book legitimizes me, mm -hmm. right? I can point to that if I'm pitching this to people or trying to do speaking engagements, but I'm still actively working towards finding ways to take that model and teach other people how they can do it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so talk like, wh how <laughs> is it, or why is it so important for bilingual media, especially Spanish speaking media in today's, you know, media environment? Mm -hmm. 
my experience when I was running the program is I was starting to try to build partnerships with different newsrooms in this community before I looked at regional partnerships. And the feedback I was getting was, we love this idea. We'll create this special section for you somewhere on our website. And I was like, I don't want a special section. You know, like I'm so sick of us having special sections. If it's like Latino news or it just gets put over in this corner we need to be woven into everything. And that became one of my many soapboxes of, I don't want a special section. I want you to weave us into everything you're doing. And sometimes it's not even just about language because as you probably know, you know, our Latino community is really nuanced and layered. Not everybody speaks Spanish, especially as you look at the different generations. And so some of us are consuming media in Spanish. Some of us are consuming it in English, but we need to be seen in it culturally. So I had one newsroom, for example, do this really long investigation into a school district. And they came to me and said, hey, we just spent this whole year doing this research on, I think it was families with students with disabilities. Could you help us translate this? And I said, no, that's not my business model. In the year you guys did this, you not once spoke to a Spanish-speaking family <laughs> when demographically they make up 30 to 40 percent yeah, like of the 30 something population. percent of the population yeah, yeah. of the schools right and so I'm like no I'm not translating that's not what this is about and so for me it's about I mean seeing ourselves in media hearing centering stories in people's lived experiences and being thoughtful for many newsrooms or media producers it's also assessing their Rolodex like who are you interviewing and who when you have a story about advancements in science are you always interviewing the same person who may likely be like an old white guy? Like, are you thinking <laughs> about your sources differently? And so I think it's important, one, because it's the right thing to do. But for people who are not motivated by that, I always say it's the strongest business case. Like our landscape and demographic landscape is changing. We will one day be the majority. And you're either thinking about it now and implementing ways to include these voices or you are legitimately going to be left behind. So again, if people aren't motivated because we should be reflecting the people in our community, it's also just an economic advantage to be able to communicate in both languages. Yeah, Like you said, looking at your community, your news, you have to like <laughs> be for the community. If you're not including everyone, what's going on? You know? Uh, well, it's just, we, we all know what's going yes. on. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, mm -hmm. how did, so how did Van Courage, how did that's your yes. brand, your company, how did that come about from all of this? So I left the university. I went to work in public health for a bit. The pandemic hit, which was hard for all of us, and being in public health, that was challenging. At the time, I'd been recruited to work for a private equity firm, which was a total off-ramp for anything I've ever, <laughs> ever, ever done. I felt like such a sellout. I spent a lot of therapy sessions talking through that because <laughs> I, what have I done? What <laughs> am I doing? But part of my journey or sort of like, I guess, talking myself through accepting it was understanding that if we want to exist within systems of power or fight systems of power, we need to understand power. And I had never had a job where I was so closely connected to high-income folks that are trying to make more money off of their millions and gazillions of dollars. So I learned a lot. And I worked there for about two years, and then around this time last year, I got laid off. I was part of this mass round of layoffs, and um, 
I was starting to look for jobs and I did this manifestation course at the time because I was panicking and what kept coming up for me is I don't want to compromise anymore. Like I felt like I compromised on my values for two years and it, you know, paid the bills and I got to work with a really good friend of mine, but I don't want to do that anymore. And I just had to believe that there was enough work in this planet to work with other people who shared my value system and get paid for it. And so a good friend of mine, Felicia Perez, had been working for a, as a consultant for a long time, and they were really the ones who helped me believe that it was possible. They brought me onto a project working on this audio series that I would get to be a sound engineer on and, and then gave me another referral, and then I just took it from there. And so it's I'm coming up on my one-year anniversary, which is exciting and crazy, um, but I, I spent a lot of time also thinking through my brand, and I worked with a branding strategist and a copywriter because I wanted to be explicit about who I want to work with and who I don't want to work with and the kinds of projects I want to work on. So that's how that was born, was partially necessity and partially just kind of being tired of feeling like, I don't work. I don't want to work with shitty people anymore. You know. <laughs> oh, I know that feeling. I feel yeah. that a lot. Yeah. I know that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. We just talked about it before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's relatable for a lot of people. And the thing is, I recognize if I had not been laid off, I probably would have stayed there, even though I was unhappy. So that for me was a catalyst moment. And I think some people are priv privileged enough to just like leave jobs when they get sick of it. Like a lot of us fantasize of our like fuck you money funds that are like, we don't need this. Right. Like that would be the dream. But the reality is most of us don't have like a nest to fall yes. on, you know, and I've or learned, young enough or young yeah. enough. Right. You have resp other responsibilities. Cause I've done that, but I was like 25 yeah. with no responsibilities. So yeah. yeah, it was easy for me to do that. I think about it every Friday. <laughs> But I have responsibilities, right. so it's like, ah, I can't. <laughs> and then you get slapped back into reality. Yes. You're like, damn it, you know? I can't do it. Yeah. You can't. When you don't got to mortgage your kids, it's easy to make those Exactly. You know? Those jumps. <laughs> it is. I, I've, I've never, ever wanted to run my own business. I was very vocal about that my entire life. And Here you are. Here I yeah. am. And I've always respected entrepreneurs, but I especially respect entrepreneurs who do not have that cushion. The ones who sincerely just believe in something so much that they're like, I'm going to go for it and just trust that it's going to work out. No matter what. No matter what. Yeah. And, and th that's where you are right now. So far, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm year two goals. I'm trying to like scale. I'd love to scale and play bigger and um, go after bigger projects and work really hard on like getting my name to a caliber where I've. I, part of it is also believing your worth of certain you're worthy of certain things, mm -hmm. right? Like gotta believe in your worth. Yeah, mm -hmm. and getting paid what you're what you deserve. But I also recognize, right, legitimacy goes a long way. So if I have certain names or brands I've worked with that elevate that, that's what I'm after. Because I'd love to just bring more people on my team and continue to be able to say yes to things I really care about, not because out of necessity, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Caesar, you talk about that with your photography. Photography, yeah. Doing uh, what you want, not what you have to do. That's because that's what doesn't make me go to do it full time. Because then I'd have to say yes to everything at the beginning, and there's people I don't want to work with, and things like that. And it's just like my integrity right now. It's more like, mm. and so that's why you know, kind of stay where I'm at. Mm -hmm. 
And but I do believe. I mean, it's scary if when you say no to things. And I just had an experience last week where I said no to a potential client that I would just wasn't a good fit. And I'd felt it for a while, but I was in scarcity mindset. I was like, well, I mean, do I, can I really afford to say no? And like, who do I think I am? And sort of these voices we have. And the same day I sent the email saying, sorry, we're not a good fit. Within a couple of hours, this other opportunity I'd been waiting on that I wanted so badly came through. The universe comes around every sometimes. time, mm-hmm. every time. And so I do believe, though, that there is a way to move through life. Only saying yes to the people you want to say yes to. And when you say no to those people that are not aligned, I don't care. We all have different rubrics, right? Mm-hmm. But something better is going to come along. And I also think having a checklist, like there's a journalist I really love. Her name's Alice Driver. And she talks a lot about being a freelance journalist. And she has this checklist that I have pinned in my notes. There are like 10 questions to ask yourself when you're being approached with a project. And it's everything from, do I believe in it? Do I need the money? Are there any red flags? Um, Am I compromising anything in doing this? And so she has her own sort of checklist. And I think I've heard some people say, I'm willing to say yes to people who maybe aren't 100% aligned as long as I'm making a shit ton of money doing it. And that's their param- <laughs> those are those their parameters, right? Yeah. And so I think well, it's that becomes a slippery slope. Yeah. But then it becomes a slippery slope. And so for me, I have there's some people that I'm like, God, even if they paid me, because I've had people make that recommendation to me, like, oh, you're not super stoked on working with this person, but maybe just charge double. I'm like, no, because <laughs> they'll feel dirty. And, and like at a certain time, they're buying your integrity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That can happen. Yeah. Like, you know, someone is using you for your, because of your reputation and you're selling your reputation for money and that, you know, where does that get you in the long run? Exactly. Could, get, could get you rich though. <laughs> yeah, but. But internally, you won't be rich. Could get you rich. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it's just like, yeah, sometimes I do. Money doesn't buy happiness after a certain point. Yeah, when I do charge double for like a wedding I don't want to do, and they say yes, I'm like, oh, man, okay, I'm in a pickle now. It's that feeling, (laughs) right? Like, do you feel relief or do you feel good? And Mm -hmm. I just, yeah. And when it's not a fit for you and them, then, like, they don't get the best possible out of the person they get either, too. Exactly. It goes both ways. It does, exactly. Well, I think that's a good time to take our first break. All right. Caesar, do you have a song of the week? Yes, uh, Sky Zoo dropped a new album uh, last week, I believe, and I've been listening to it on repeat for a very long Look time. Look at that, fresh so. new music. Yes. Uh, this is off of, um, he did a collaboration with the other guys, so Sky Zoo and the other guys, and uh, they do the production. Um, it's uh, The song is uh, 100 to 1 by Sky Zoo. Listen and enjoy, guys. Salute. It's your world, man. I just sell dope in it. Yo, engineer man, peace, peace. Yo, um, so you know I'm not used to this studio shit, this rapper shit. You know, my world different, right? And I know you said it's usually 16 hook, 16 hook, but I got more than that to say on this, so I could just flow with it? Okay, word. Okay. Yo, middle of 84 when opportunity hurt me. Said she had to sift through the crowd, but she preferred me. Dying for attention, but living in it concerned me. Waited me out, wanted to see if it would discourage me. Almost, shout out to patience, first and foremost. Gave me more time to do away with my morals. Like, fuck am I to do with these? Used to hide behind them in a lot of scrutiny. 
wasn't new to me that I could change all of this. I just needed a lane I could play in accordance with. Wade in the water shit. God gone trouble the waves when all the water hit. I just need enough of this pot that I could boil with. So there God save me an ounce or two. Whether we talking water or we talking with powder do. Blasphemy, right? <laughs> oh shit, I'm still asking you, right? We can even all of these odds from what Massa was like, for real. <laughs> Cause there's money here to be made, though. Devils pull up in plain clothes. <laughs> Black dreams with these Anglos. It's best to act like you ain't, no. Right? Cause there's money here to be made, though. <laughs> Devils pull up in plain clothes. <laughs> Black dreams with these Anglos. Shit, it's best to act like you ain't, no. Yeah. Avi told me be grateful. My Umi told me to keep the gate closed Leave whatever's in the streets from out of this safe home That I built with these same hands that keep your plate full I cleaned my plate, then took a car to see Ivy And convinced him that what I put in a jar Could have me back here tomorrow, copping double These pebbles became a gold mine under that rubble And now I'm not the same kid coming here begging you for a couple grams Reading up off of singles, it's hard to understand. Read, get it. Money is money, and want a soul see it different. And I ain't mean to pivot, but yo, if Lee doesn't get snatched, mug shot attached, then I wouldn't have been on their radar as a perhaps. Like perhaps he could be the mule that we could feed this dude. He seemed like he the type to keep free from the news, but Lee was doing me a favor. After like 20 others, I was the only child who naturally wanted brothers. There was Lee and then another. Shout to Mrs. Hamilton. Kev already was who he was. You couldn't manage him. My motto forever is the closest. So you stand together, the harder it be to see who you standing with. It's funny how Kane being away, left Kev running free with cocaine, leading away to his name, seeing the grave. Look at life, one Kane could have stopped the other, and I fucked around and dropped my brother. Accidents with purpose, Judas is never Judas on the surface. Same apply to Reed, but my deed on this purchase is a weekly occurrence off an invisible contract. My gun tucked and my arms back. Comfortable now, but not at all. They say the room echoed the more that you got it all. My mama said her worst day was when she got a call saying, I'm in a cage. Make a lion out of Panther, killing how he was raised. County Blues Attorney King knew it died on the page. And my temporary fear was just hiding my rage for real. <laughs> Cause there's money here to be made though. Devils pull up in plain clothes, right? Black dreams with these Anglos. <laughs> Shit, it's best to act like you ain't no. Bruh. South Central Calamity. Water the wine, should you go hand in hand with me? Look like the same hands I wonder would abandon me. But always forgiven the moment that you ran to me. Run like the numbers they throwing at us for counting more. With less on the scale, lead to them kicking down your door. The crown yours when they creating laws on you. And the diamonds embedded and it turning the thorns on you. Like five grams of rock, 500 grams of powder. <laughs> the line in the sand and who's standing over hours, right? The tipping point is you copping for your survival. And all of that privilege falls beside you. Idols become rivals. And then they can turn into your partner. Like them so-called villain the of martyrs. But also a solid. And we learn to be cool. But his bitch is the reason my three turned into too. Like if my foot on the line and I'm Spencer Haywood I'm just a kid from outside that's trying to make good College dreaming, I was beaming trying to play good But shit, I jumped off the steps because it paid good Simple as that, cuz <laughs> Cause there's money here to be made, though Devils pull up in plain clothes <laughs> Black dreams with these Anglos It's best to act like you ain't, no yeah. There's money here to be made, though Devils pull up in plain clothes Right? Black dreams with these Anglos. It's best to act like you ain't, no. Bruh.
Welcome back. That was Caesar's song of the week is 100 to 1 by Sky Zoo featuring the other guys. Yeah, and just like Sky Zoo, his storytelling is fantastic. Um, I think he talks about in here where like he got his father named him after uh, the black kid in Charlie Brown, <laughs> you know? And it just tells like a little story, bars, like it's just Sky Zoo is always fantastic. Yeah, and the other guys, uh, DC from DC, mm-hmm. um, producer, uh, duo and uh they've worked with uh jay live uh homeboy sandman young roddy coolie high so so people we like yeah yeah and uh, you know people from the uh-huh. the north carolina dmv area and like the production's really good they have like a sample off far side to drop that song on like another song uh the production the jazz very, obviously and sky's very very jazz after he did an album that he sampled a lot from Blue Note jazz players. So he it's just his jazz has been getting better and better. His selection's awesome. So check out the album The Mind of a Saint. Mm-hmm. Just came out. Just came out. All right. Well, back to our guest. Back to the important person. <laughs> <laughs> the woman of the moment. Yes. Now that you have established your your brand and you're a year into it, um, do you see yourself sticking with this going forward? Do you have other ambitions or projects you'd like to pursue? Mm, good question. I do my business strategizing with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I think in year one, I was very much in survival mode. I was learning a lot and still am and constantly felt like I was making things up and sort of I always describe it as like barely keeping my head like I was treading water and just like trying to stay afloat right I was surviving so I I haven't really thought about like well what does this look like you know and so in year two I do want to keep trying it because I thought I'm going to give this a real honest go and I really really want to play big this year and what I was saying earlier about like going after bigger accounts and really elevating the caliber of what I do, we do, and grow the team. You know, my business model so far has been, you know, me and then contractors. I worked with a really amazing contractors last year because I love to do the client relationship, all the strategy work, and then work with creatives like photographers and graphic designers and videographers to put our assets together for the client. So I haven't thought beyond year two, but when I do let myself dream, I'm like, you know what would be cool is for this to become an agency. Like I used to work in an agency and I've been approached by agencies or at least an, one agency who who has an interest in the work I do because my there are a lot of people who do storytelling and strategy work and the the work that I do in storytelling. My thing is bilingual, community outreach, and my background in journalism, right? What I bring to the table that, that differentiates me is that. And I was approached by someone who was like, oh, it'd be really cool to bring you in-house and build out this department that specializes in, like, bilingual media. And I thought, and the other day, I was like, or what if I did that, right? Like, why would I want to go build that in someone else's house? I can build that house and keep building all the tables I want people to be at. And that should be my dream, you know? Like, I don't want to build it for someone else. I want to build it for me and the people I'm working with. And so... That was my first time saying it out loud to other humans. So that would be, I think, my long Manifest term. Manifest it. Put yeah, it out there. Put it out there. It's a new moon today. So, <laughs> uh, 
this is the best day to put out there. But I think that would be my dream is to really build this collective of people again, who are aligned in mission and values. And I really, really want to work with women and people of color and be explicit about that. So when I'm looking for a photographer or anybody on the creative team, I'm like, who do you know? Right. Um, not that I'm opposed to working with white people, but <laughs> I want to, I, what I miss too about being in higher ed is the mentorship opportunity. So working too with people early in their careers, like I meet people who are trying to transition into these creative fields and it's hard for someone to take a chance on them, you know? And so I'm like, I want to do that. I want to create a space where we have like paid internships and people early in their careers can come in and be mentored and learn like how to build strategy and build proposals and work with clients. And then they can either stay with Van Courage or they can go do their own thing. But that would be the dream is to do that, is to keep doing this work and keep working with people who believe in it and fund it and get big enough that I can continue to pay people what they're worth and build a real team nice yeah like how you're you're kind of as you go learning and adapting to i mean i feel like you're the typical millennial who's (laughs) gone (laughs) through this crazy you know work environment of the last 15 years Mm -hmm. and now you've kind of created your own space based off your experiences yeah i see a lot thanks again to social media there's so many people in that demographic-ish, right, who weren't seeing themselves represented in things, and they created their own shit. They're doing things in their language, whatever language that is, and telling their own stories. And I tell my clients I work with all the time is we don't have to be as dependent anymore on traditional media. Like, yeah, it's nice to get press coverage because, again, it legitimizes you. But you can tell your own story. You can put out what is real for you and not have to wait for somebody else to say that that's worth telling on a bigger scale. Yeah. And do it in your own way too. Yes. It doesn't need to be on their format because they have their special format. This is the good side of social media. You know, it's leveled the playing field in so Mm -hmm. many different areas, art, music, where people who might not have had a voice because it wasn't marketable Mm -hmm. or wasn't profitable necessarily can, now you can go out there, do your own thing Mm -hmm. and make a living off of it. Yeah, exactly. And to see it's possible. I mean, when I was coming into the social media strategy space. That wasn't a job that existed when I was in college. Like, I graduated from college 16, 17 years ago, and I was sending my resume on a VHS tape, (laughs) right? And which isn't that long ago, and now everything is digital, right? And so I would tell my students at the university all the time, and I tell my kids this, like, the jobs you are going to have likely do not exist oh right God. now. Mm-hmm. You get to imagine. Well, you tell that to people who yeah. run education. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. We are not meant, like, our generations prior, you worked at the same place for 20 years, and you studied a thing, and... That I was mean, it. That was yeah. it. And that's all you did. The world's and changing too fast yeah, now. Yeah. Like, and they're like not higher education. We're not teaching yeah. students the skills they need to like survive in a world like that. We're like, you're going to have to learn. Your learning is not going to stop when you finish school. Mm-hmm. And you're going to need to learn new skills and adapt to, the you know, like you said, all these jobs don't exist now. And no. we're still on a 18th century <laughs> yeah. teaching model. Yeah, even the nine to five we know was developed in like the industrial era, right? This idea of like working Monday through Friday, 40 hours a week. I mean, that is just, we're not, it's not possible for us to be truly productive, you know, which we've seen in this hybrid 
thing that's emerged yeah. and is wild to know that people are still requiring people yeah, to the, like have, the, like, the butts brush, and the, Yeah, the, like, the <laughs> pushback against it. It's like, change is inevitable. Like, why are you fighting this? Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. like, it doesn't make business sense. Mm-hmm. You're wasting money and resources forcing people to work in what is not the most productive it's just mine yeah like corporations are starting starting to see it you know giving people 30 yeah, hour smart work companies are yeah countries do it like france use what 30 30 hours a week is the work week and corporations try to push more because they want more money and stuff but mm-hmm. like and they they always fight back they got good and if you can't measure productivity any other way then like yeah. that's the fault of the company not exactly the people who are doing the work yeah because mm-hmm. a happier worker makes better work mm-hmm. more production mm-hmm. who would have thought we're not machines. That's crazy. <laughs> what a concept. Yes. <laughs> so you don't really don't have a, a five-year plan at yeah. this moment no, I, Right now I've got my like year two plan, which I haven't formalized completely, but um, I don't have a five-year plan. I've got a, okay, we're going to really play big this year, and and then maybe I'll get serious about focusing on the moment right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I mean, I have like big things coming up this year that I know are going to level up and and but I also recognize I need to sit down and write it down, not just from a manifestation, but to get very clear on if I am going to build this agency that I'm allowing myself to dream about and talk about. What do I need to do that? Not just from a revenue standpoint, but just all the business stuff you learn. Yeah. Like, how do I set this up to be successful and to protect myself and to bring in the right people? I mean, it starts to the business part, right, that I need to learn about. But I do need to sit down and gather yeah. the right team to help me bring that to life. Yeah, because everything just adds on. Yeah. And it adds on, like, exponentially. Mm-hmm. And then to be detail-oriented like that, you'll be very prepared about what's going to happen if it does happen or mm-hmm. if it doesn't. Yeah. yeah, I at least want to try it, and I want to be serious about trying it. You know, what would you say to someone who's out there trying to start? I mean, you've gone through a lot of different job changes and created kind of your, you know, you did the thing at UNR. You've created your own space where you've gone. What would you say to someone who's out there trying to start their own thing, start their career, and and creating their space and and making things work for them rather than working for someone else? I would look to people who are doing it, who are not, who are doing it the way you would maybe want to do it. You can still imagine your own version of it. But I also, one of my lessons is learning to ask people for help. And part of that sometimes is hard because you may not know what help you need. But for me, that's a huge lesson. In my personal life, I just am a very self-reliant, independent person I need to do something, I'm going to get it done, you know, but we don't, we're not wired to be that way, you know, and we're at our, at our best when we invite people to say, Hey, I've got this thing. Can I, can you help me? And I, I have found that people are far more generous than we think, but we have to be willing to ask. And so if someone sees a model, right? Like if they saw Noticiero or they've seen Van Courage and they're like, Hey, I'm really interested, like reach out to that person. The worst thing they're going to do is like ghost you or say, I don't have time or, you have to pay me for this. But it's worth getting clear on who could potentially help you and just start asking. And I, because I call that also like seed planting. Like you don't know when it's going to come back. You might plant a seed and it may never grow. It may take a few months for that person to get back to you. But I would 
think about like your advisory board. Like who can you, what advisory board can you build for yourself of people who are willing to give you advice or model things for you? Because people will help you, you know? That's uh, a good way to look. I like that yeah. advisory board. Yeah. 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 You got all the money and you need all the experts to tell you how, what to do with it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I need one of those just for life. Yes. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. You know, it could no. be your therapist. It could be um, your hairdresser. You know, it could be whoever you see on a regular basis. But it, for me, is I want people in my advisory board who are going to be real with me. When I'm asking for advice, I also want to ask advice from people who are going to call me on my shit. So if I'm wrong or I'm being arrogant or my ego's getting in the way, I need to know that if I come to you... You I should run I Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't need a, a yes man or a yes woman. Like, I have the small community of photo <laughs> friends that I send out stuff to all yes. the time. And they tell me, like, oh, composition sucks. Yeah. Or, like, uh, it's kind of like I wish it was something else, you know? Because, you know... We know Tesla we know, could used to be yeah. leadership like you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of those, uh, <laughs> more I, than Tesla, you know? I see, like, I've worked with clients who are surrounded by yes people, and I'll come in and be like, this isn't that great. You know, <laughs> I'm not getting paid to say yes. Yeah. You know, you're paying me for my professional opinion. I'm going to research. Um, that's not beneficial. So I do think you have to have a real willingness to mm-hmm. hear. Your and they have to be willing. Opinions. And yeah. that's the thing, because a lot of people, I'm like, ah, oh, this is kind of like not that good. And they like start attacking me. I'm like, yo, you want an honest opinion? Mm-hmm. Like, this is what it is. Like, you want me to tell me what's good? <laughs> this is the good part, but this is like generally Luckily, not that good. Yeah. I have the reputation that people know. <laughs> <laughs> if they ask you, you'll tell them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do have a model I use in, in like group settings, which is I, I like, I I wish and I wonder. So it's a constructive way to guide feedback. So you start by saying what you like about the photo, let's say. I wish maybe you were, were taking a step back or I wish or closer or something. you were closer. And then I wonder what this would have looked like if you did X, Y, and Z. The power Z. of language. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's been a, that's been a long, yeah. long journey for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, working with kids, I've learned you know choose your words carefully mm-hmm. because they do have meaning and it can affect your the how it's going to be. Rece- you could say the same thing in a different way. Yeah, so this is my friend Rianne. When <laughs> I, we were supervisors together in our mid twenties, working with you know, college age kids, and I was just astounded at the way she would say the same thing I was trying to say. But it just uh, came across so much more better. clearly. It was a skill I had to learn. <laughs> it was a skill it took me a long time to learn. And yeah, that's hearing you say that. I'm like, ooh, yeah, that's good <laughs> to get your thoughts and ideas very clear, and so people could understand. Very but like important. when I give feedback on like papers and stuff, that's mm-hmm. what I always, I always start with what they did well, mm-hmm. and then I go through and explain what they could have done better. And, you know, give them the overall, like, this is great, except for, you know, if you just do this, it'd bring it to an A, something like that. Because, yeah, they're not going to, if you just start going, ripping into them, like, this is <laughs> awful. Or, well, I mean, sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you need to. Sometimes yeah. I'm like, uh, this is not what the or question asked yeah. for. What or you thinking? Yeah, like, <laughs> this isn't the assignment. You didn't do the assignment. What the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> Uh, sometimes I wish I could grade in memes. Oh, your memes <laughs> are pretty gifs. good too. Yeah. Or gifs, like gifs, yeah, like. Yeah. Uh, anyways, the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a future goal. Yeah. 
Well, Vanessa, thank you for joining us. This has been great to learn about, you know, your journey and everything you're doing. Uh, I had no idea. I've known you for a while. I knew you had this reputation. Now I understand that it was well-earned and why why you're uh, so well-respected. Thank you. That's so nice. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This was so fun. Mm -hmm. So we'll take a second break. I'm going to play my song of the week, which is The Magic Number by De La Soul. Finally, their music is being released on streaming platforms. Yes, yes. And they're not doing it all at once. This is the first single, single. quotes they released. And, uh, you know, more music to come. They're I'm very excited. Thirsting. Yeah, they're doing it I right. Love it's it. like they're rolling out all their music all over again. Like back in the day, like you get a single, you put out a video, right? Yeah. The second single, another video. I'm excited for yes. all these youngins to learn about the great De La Soul. Yes. So listen and enjoy. Salud. Cause Brewster's a punky Parents let go Cause it's magic in the air Criticizing rap Shows you're out of order Stop looking Listen to the phrase And Fred stairs And don't get offended While Mace Dosey Those your daughter A dry camera roll system Is now set Fly around the store Under Daisy Productions It stands for the inner sound Y'all and y'all can bet That the action's not a trick But show them a function Everybody wants to be a DJ Everybody wants to be an MC But being speakers are the best And you don't have to guess They're like so posse Consist of three And that's the magic number piece of the pie is not concerned but the cost that we dine and three out of every darn time the effect is mm, when a daisy goes in your mind showing true position this here piece is kissing the part of the pie that's missing where that negative number fills up the casualty maybe you can subtract it you can call it your lucky partner maybe you can call it your adjective but odd as it may be, without my one and two, where would there be? My three makes possible me, and that's the magic number. Focus is formed by flaunts of the soul. Souls who fall style gain praises by pounds. Comment on speakers who honor the scroll. Scroll written daily creates a new sound. Listeners listen, cause this here is wisdom. Wisdom of a speaker, a dove and a plug. Set aside a legal substance you feed them for now. Get them high off this dialect joy. Time is a factor, so it's time to count. Count not the negative actions of one. Speakers of soul say it's time to shout. Three forms of soul to a positive sum. Dance to this fix and flex every muscle. Space can be filled if you ride like my lumber. Advance to the tune, but don't do the hustle, shake, rattle, roll to my magic number. Now you may try to subtract it, but it just won't go away. Three times one. What is it? One, two, three. That's the magic number.
Welcome back, guys. That was Sean's Song of the Week, and it's The Magic Number by De La Soul. Classic song. Mm -hmm. It was great to hear it, because that song's not even on. I couldn't even find that on YouTube before. Yeah, Um, yeah, so much of this music is not available anywhere unless you actually have, like you said, the physical copy of the the CD Mm -hmm. or the vinyl and, you know. My CD collection was stolen yeah. two decades <laughs> yeah. ago. So, yeah, um, yeah like the, for those of you out there who've never yeah. heard uh, De La Soul or are not familiar with that song. There you go. And uh, yeah. More uh, to come. Random fact, that's how De La Photo comes from De La Soul. I don't think that's random at all. Yeah, see? We all know, I yeah, some yeah. of us know that. Yeah. Not everybody. But it's off that Three Feet in uh, Rising. Yeah. Album. Mm-hmm. Great album, historic, so so good, historic. So, more to come. High school kids out there. Well, Vanessa, it is time for the meandering questions. So excited! Are you ready for this? They're they're hard hitting. You might, you might sweat bullets. Can't wait! All right, all right. The first one: Who is someone you look for for inspiration personally? Like that, I know them, or just anyone. You can be someone who. You follow on the interwebs or someone, you, you know, know historically that you've looked up to. Mm-hmm. I really like Brene Brown and her research and her teaching. So when I'm feeling stuck, I will go to that pod. She has a couple of really good podcasts, um, one that's more geared for leadership and one that's just sort of general. And she's kind of my go-to to remember how to live vulnerably and understand the way that shame presents itself and everything that we do. And, um, I look to her for moments of inspiration for sure. Nice. All right. The next one, uh, your favorite place to eat in Reno. Oh, Oh, I have a new favorite place. I mean, what's your old one first? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I mean, I still really like this place, but it's called, Oh, it's a Thai place over off of like Prater, and it's in a gas station parking lot. It's like connected to a gas station. Off of Prater. Yeah. Is it by like uh, it's like Prater and uh, Sparks Boulevard right there? Yeah, I think so. And it's like the Wendy's is kind of connected to it too. No, no, it's it's Carl's Jr. No. No, it's just the Thai place and the gas station. Hmm. I will get the name to you because it is the best Thai food I've ever had. All right. Really? Sparks. Can I, can I yes. Wow. I'm going to have to question you about yeah. that one. All okay. right. Yeah. All right. I mean, I'm willing to I'm be down. I'm down to take yeah. talent. Let's go. Yes. Let's go. That was my second favorite place. But my new favorite place is called Mi Ranchito mm-hmm. on Valley. And I forget what the cross street is, but it's like behind like the oh. Northwest. Yeah. It's yeah. over oh. there uh, by uh, Dick Taylor Park. Yes. 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 I, uh, my wife, like I might have had that or... Mentioned that place to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah, I know because it's in that shopping center over yeah. there. It's like a little tiny strip mall. Yeah, There's yeah. like a taco place across the street. It's under new ownership, and they're completely redone the interior. It's like painted. They're getting murals. They changed the menu. But one oh. of the women who works there is from a village that's like near my family's village in Mexico. So we Ooh, totally where's it connect. At? It's the village. Yeah, yeah. Um, I forget her. Her village's name is like Concepcion Buenos Aires, and mm. my family's from Jocotepec, Jalisco. Okay, and it's these okay. two little pueblitos in Jalisco. Yeah. But anyway, so we connect over that, but I just love them, and they're really trying to like revamp it. And so that's my new spot. Well, that's a bike ride from the house. Yeah, mm-hmm. It might gigantic. have to happen. I'm always, you know, we eat a lot of Mexican food in this house. We, we need to do like an up in the mix, uh, just take our phones, and just uh, we should uh, grade people. You <laughs> should, and make it like a map that we can all look mm-hmm. at because. It's hard to find good Mexican food in Reno, and so that one is 
has become a favorite. It's just funny because, like, my mom makes good Mexican food. The lady's mom makes good Mexican food. So we don't eat out Mexican. Mm. So when I do eat out Mexican, it's like Chipotle because it's different. Because <laughs> I, I get the good shit at home. You we've know been Los Cuatro Vientos. We've it's been, classic. It's we've good. been yeah. eating there a lot. Mm. Like, like, it's right down the street yeah. and they, they deliver. So yeah. mm. we've been getting that a lot. That's that's the spot we've gone to a lot. Also, there, you people out there, morbidia out here. Yes. There's only a couple spots, which is good. But Wait, we, where? So there's like a food truck that does media. La Barca. La Barca does but it. But they have the a homies. physical location out, in, yeah. but it's way out in North Valley. Yeah. Okay. I would travel for good yeah. birria. You should, yeah. because yeah. they... <laughs> Caesar knows so much I love this yes, place. Yes. <laughs> um, they are so great. They're so good. Their food truck, unfortunately, is usually at the Eddy, which is mm. not a place I like to go <laughs> if I'm trying to... <laughs> Go get food, but <laughs> um, yeah, they're everything there is great there. So La Barca, oh, North yeah. Valley's, mm-hmm. okay. or the food Noted. truck at the Eddie, yeah. Okay. And whenever the food trucks, like at public house or somewhere, it's like mm-hmm. I'm going, I'm getting food there, and I'm taking, getting some to go. We can't talk to Sean until he's done eating, and then he always has the one to go as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <'Cause> I'm not <laughs> driving that to doing? North Valley. No, no, no. You got to get as much as you can sometimes. So yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, next question. What is, you have two daughters there. One's a preteen, one's a teenager. Mm-hmm. What is your go-to family outing that you mm-hmm. all can enjoy here I'm gonna in have northern to take Nevada? No- I'm going to have to take notes on this one. The hardest thing is getting them to agree on what we want to do. Because it inevitably, one's like, yeah, that sounds great. And the other one's like, mm, actually, I don't really feel like doing that. So... <laughs> Last time I asked if they wanted to go um, snowshoeing, they couldn't agree. And I was like, fuck it. We're not leaving the house. <laughs> so that's been the toughest challenge. Um, when they were little, we loved the Discovery Museum, which was always great because they had great exhibits and super interactive and we could spend all day there. Now that they're older, it's a little bit more challenging, honestly. Like my older daughter's super into mountain biking and snowshoeing and like more active things. And the little one... <laughs> is not interested in cardio so um just a little thumb cardio yeah she's mm-hmm. crazy she plays soccer but like does not want to do anything active so um yeah i think for us it sometimes it's like forced family time um where Good. i say like we're gonna go do this and we're gonna go do it mom has to make an executive decision and i hope mm-hmm. you have a good time and if you're gonna complain like keep it to yourself i don't want to hear it you know that but sounds this all sounds familiar <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i had four i had three siblings so we yeah we this. never agreed on Shut anything it was like we're gonna do this and you know you might have some uh, fun against your will yeah. yeah well we went mountain biking one time and the little one i was riding with her because billy had just like plowed up the mountain with my other friend and She's just bitching the whole time. And I'm like, at some point, I'm like, okay, I am trying to have a good time because I enjoy this. I It's that fine line of, like, do I force you to try things because you might like it or it might, like, release this cool thing inside of you? Or do I just fucking give up? So I still don't know what the answer is. But force it. I have a sibling that's like force that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always enjoyed forcing them yeah. to do things. Yeah. we. I mean, when we're together, we have fun. Like, so, like. Today we're going to go check out the new Reno Public Market. I think like we enjoy art things together, travel together, like exploration together. Um, but even at home, like my younger one and I love to puzzle, older one doesn't. So the compromise is two of us are puzzling and she can sit nearby and draw with us. And just watch. And <laughs> just watch and listen or listen to a podcast. So it's, it's at a, again, that delicate line of honoring what you're into, but 
I want to spend time with you and I want it to be quality time. So yeah. it's another ringing endorsement of teenagers. Yes. <laughs> I got a little time for that, but my little three year old, but she is sassy as shit though. Like, oh, it's mm. out of control. It's only going to get worse. Mm-hmm. As she I know. Older. And I'm trying to calm it down now. I have one of my coworkers daughters in my class and, uh, <laughs> she's like uh, a colleague was in like giving a presentation and she's like wow she's sassy i'm like i know i love it yeah i'm like i've never met the significant other but i'm like yes must get that from the mom because mm-hmm. no, it's <laughs> dad is not that way leia like i'll sit up on the couch with like pillows underneath her feet pillows behind her head and i'm like yo we gotta go we gotta eat right now turn off the ipad she's like doesn't even look at me five more minutes dad and I'm like, get the fuck off the couch. Get the fuck off the couch. Give me the iPad. We're eating right now. And then she starts crying to mom. <laughs> you know? Mm. But yeah, just like doesn't even look at me. Just like five more minutes, dad. I'm like, nope, not working here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love working with teenagers because they're not mine. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have yeah. No personal animosity. It's like yeah. being like an uncle and shit. You know? I joke just with like, them all the time, especially the girls. I'm like, so how much do you fight with your mom? <laughs> Just to recreate, I'm sorry. Yeah, all, no, the, I mean, all the time. Yeah. I took my older daughter. I went to this group last night with these female entrepreneurs, and we gather every couple of months. And this is an example of mandatory time. Like, I have this event that means a lot to me, and you're going to come with me. But it was really cool because we broke up into small groups, and we were all talking about our businesses and goals we had for 2023. And so I was in a separate breakout group intentionally because. I wanted her to have her own moment with these other two women, and it was awesome. I mean, when we left, she said, I know I was here against my will, but I'm glad I came. And it was really cool to have her be a part of it. So those are the moments I look forward to as they get older because I bring them to everything. Like, my friends are friends with them, too, and I love that. Um but I also had to recognize these moments. Like she asked the group for advice, which is really cool. So she asked the women, how do you enter high school confidently? Because she's nervous. And how do you end friendships that aren't working for you anymore? Ooh, that is a great yes. one. Those are two serious Cause questions. Because that's like a lesson yeah. you don't learn to. Yeah. Like a lot of people don't learn to uh, in their 30s. Yeah. Where it's like, mm. Yeah, but I knew, like, she's not asking me, right? I had to keep my mouth shut. It was She's asking these other women for advice, and so that must make you proud as a parent. Yes. Yeah, to ask and questions. You can just sit back and yes, watch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I have to learn. You know, it's like you're not going to listen to me. You know, she's rolling her eyes because her shoulders are bothering her, and she's a swimmer. And I was like, "Well, you should consider cross training." And she was like, "Yeah, like that's going <laughs> to help." What do you know, idiot? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was like, "Fuck." <laughs> Well, I know a lot more than you, but yeah. apparently not. Get, get they internet. get so mad when I agree with their yeah. parents. I'm uh-huh. like, I, I'm on their side. I'm sorry. I know we get along great. Yeah. But you're still 17. You I'm, over, I'm more than twice. I have like Facebook memories and clothes older than you. Yeah. I don't need, you know, I'm not going to be on your side in these stupid arguments because you don't, know, you don't know what you're talking you about. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's well, great. We were all there though, you I know? know. We you all thought we knew everything. Nothing. Yeah, like uh, I got when everything. When Kanye West made that song, "Can't <laughs> Tell Me Nothing," I was like, "This is this was me all in my teenage years." Leia and I actually listened to that whole album. It was, <laughs> we were just dancing in the kitchen. It Can't tell. Me, like, I'm like, if this had come out when I was 17, I would have played this 24. Yes. You're just so cocky and you know, full of yourself. Mm-hmm. You're like, I got a little bit of knowledge. I know everything now. Yes. Uh, anyways, All right. <laughs> See, this is why they're called meandering. We, di- we, di- we digress. <laughs> but speaking of music, uh, what's the music you have on repeat or what are you into right now? I am listening to a lot of music in Spanish. 
So um, I went like back to my roots and started listening to like old rock en español. I'm re-obsessed with Cristian Castro. Oh, <laughs> yes, like I know. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day, I listened to that obsessively. Um, I do listen to a lot of like Bad Bunny and mm. music in that genre. Yes. Um, do you go back to listen to some bookies? Oh, bookies. <laughs> yes, los bookies. Uh, Marco Antonio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alejandro Fernandez. Like, I am just, <laughs> I have gone back. Like, my Spotify now is, like, predominantly Spanish music, which I really love. So um, I'm listening to a lot of that. Yeah, no, sometimes I go into cycles and I listen to, like, Mana again and stuff yeah. like that. And, like, yeah, it's just good. <laughs> yeah, Luis Miguel. Mm-hmm. Like, it just. Yeah. This makes me so happy. Or if you want to cry a little, you know, Julio Iglesias and oh, stuff. You Rocio Durcan. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, I'm I'm real into Spanish. Mm. All Spanish you guys are showing your age here. This yeah. is good. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's and it's just funny because, like, my parents are all ranchera stuff. You know, it's like, bump, bump. And I get annoyed because I like to listen to the production, too. And they all, like, sound the same. They do. And it's just like, bump, 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 bump. You know when it's going to end, you know, like. But, like, to go deep into, like, the other stuff like that Mm -hmm. is just fantastic. You guys should both watch (laughs) this show on Netflix. It's so fucking good. We started watching. It's called Hintified. Okay. Oh, I... I've been wanting to watch it. We start. We finished. Just finished the first season. Sadly, this I was canceled after the second it was. season. Yeah. But it's so. It's just. It's so great. It's so great. Into fight. All right. Um. And just it's it the story it tells. They the actors are great and it's very focused on the Mexican American experience and they're in East of Los Angeles mm. and yeah. uh and just like gentrification art. And how it's exploited, um, it's great. It's really good. Yeah. I need to get all my binging now before I go back to work. <laughs> yeah, before <laughs> April third. Right. Is your family Mexican? Yeah. Yeah. So my my mom from uh, Mexico, like Sonora, and then my dad from uh, Salvador. Oh, okay. Nice. All right. Next question. All right. How old are you? If you don't mind me asking, there's a reason for this. Okay. Sure. Thirty-eight. 38, if you could go back in time 15 years, what advice would you give to your younger self? Okay, I would have been 23. (laughs) In the math here. Um, Oh, man. 23-year-old Vanessa. I, I often think about, like, conversations I had back then with leadership where... I did not know how to stick up for myself. Like, I took a lot of shit from people because, again, I'd been conditioned to be this, like, good Catholic schoolgirl who followed the rules and didn't, like, ruffle feathers. So I would encourage myself, I don't know how, but assuming I have the tools I have now back then to stick up for myself and not take shit from people. Like, Mm. know your worth. Know thy worth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Yeah, I think it's something to reflect on. Yeah. Uh, there's this uh, guy I follow on Instagram and he interviews people about their age and he always asks them what their age is and what it's like to be that age. And then he asks if you could go back at a certain time and he always pick based on their age. He, he asks them like, what would you tell your past self? I would probably just tell my 25 year old self to fucking chill out. Mm. If, I know, down. if I knew what I know now, I'd probably conquer the earth. <laughs> Have all that time. All that time. I w- yeah, I would tell my 25-year-old self to relax. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd also text. start therapy a lot sooner. I would have told myself to go to therapy. 
Yeah. So many people could use that yes. advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> My wife and I were, were Zorachi, so I'm like, all this shit instead of going to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> they lay it out on social media. <laughs> so much. Like, yeah. just, you know, you could have just gone to therapy instead of mm-hmm. doing all this. But anyways. Yeah. All right. Last question. All right. Very important. What do you do to decompress? Ooh. My favorite thing to do is mountain bike because I feel super playful on a bike. I just think like being on a bicycle feels like being a kid. And mountain biking is one of the few places where my brain is like turned off. Like all I am thinking about is, especially if you're well climbing or going downhill, like what's in front of you. And then sometimes you can kind of like zone out. Enjoy the scenery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but for the most part, I'm I'm present. I'm like in my body. I'm in that moment. I'm usually smiling because I'm having a good time. Like that is my favorite way to decompress. So in general, moving my body is helpful. And I, when I notice I'm not intentionally spending time outside or moving is when I know I'm not properly decompressing. No. I love my, I love bicycles as well. Oh, they're so yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. I was like, Caesar can probably relate to that. Yeah. For me, like I do, I have to borrow friends mountain bikes because I don't have one, but like for me in like a big city, like weaving in traffic, like once again, you have to be present. Mm-hmm. You have to pay attention, like mountain biking, you got to pay attention to the trail, rocks you got to avoid and like mm-hmm. little drops and things. Like for me, it's like cars, people and, you know, other obstructions. It's way scarier than mountain biking. <gasps> yeah. love, I'm, I'm about the streets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about, I've never had so much fun on a bicycle when I was on a city bike in New York City. And just like lower Manhattan, just like smashing in traffic. Even Salty Brad is like, Caesar, I've never seen the biggest smile on your face. And I was like, I had a blast. Wow. That's bold. <laughs> Brave. It's the honey badger. <laughs> what, do you, what do you expect? <laughs> Vanessa, you've completed the answering questions. You did Congratulations. it. Congratulations. You're done. We're almost done. Almost. We're almost there. Caesar has a hero of the week. Salute to Mexico for finally enforcing no smoking in public. So they had in like 2008, I think they went through like their thing, litigation, and you can't smoke in public, like cigarettes and things like that and vape cigarettes and whatever, right? So now they're finally tightening the reins so you can't like smoke in like plazas, you can't smoke at hotels, you can't smoke in, you know, anything that's public, you know, like a restaurant and stuff like that. Nice. So... Salute to them for finally doing it. All right. Well, our petty move of the week. This I one shared is this with you. And uh, this did happen in Florida. One of my students was like, we were talking, I'm like, yeah, I should have like a petty move of the week. She's like, <laughs> did it start with Florida man? And I'm like, lucky guess it does start with Florida man. So this Florida man received a message from his baby mama that she needed $300 to help out with rent. And he's like, you know, I'm trying, you know, new year. I'm trying to start things <laughs> off right. We're trying to get along. With the baby mama, you, you know, have to. Be peaceful, right? you know, like, be good. Oh, and he's so like, I'm good. about to send her the money. And then her sister texted me and said it wasn't for rent. It was so she could bail her new man out of jail. So <laughs> he's like, you know what? I was the bigger mm-hmm. person. I swallowed my pride. And I gave her, the, you know, I drove over and gave her the cash to do that. And then she, he's like, you know, that goes to the next screen. He's mm-hmm. like, then, you know, she called me later from jail and was yelling at me all upset. And he, she's like, why did you give me counterfeit money? <laughs> and he was like, so you could spend time with your new man in jail. Yeah. So you guys would be together. So 
Petty move of the week goes to this guy who tip gave of the fitted to his, you. His his ex, his the mother of his child, counterfeit hundred dollar bills. So she, when she tried to bail out her new boyfriend, she was arrested for uh, using counterfeit money. First of all, what did the boyfriend get arrested for when bail was like three hundred or maybe a couple thousand? Probably something some minor. Yeah. 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 So that's our petty move of the week. It's been a while since we've had one that good. That's like, a fucking As soon as I saw one. that, I sent yeah. it to you. I was like, And Whoa. I was like, this is fantastic. This is crazy. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. So good. <laughs> uh, and you have a grinding gears one. This always <sighs> grinds you every year. It grinds you every fucking year. Because it gets worse every year. It makes me so angry. Because people are dumb. All right. Let me take a deep breath here and try not to yell. My The thing that grinds my gears is people who have no idea and totally are against the beliefs of Martin Luther King Jr. quoting him on his birthday or during Black History Month or whatever. It makes me so bad. And, uh, you know, we went to the, the MLK dinner this year and the theme was like Dare to Dream. And I was so glad because I was asked to do a poem and I like was trying to, you know, it's a very diverse group and not everyone has the same beliefs as me so i was trying to totally you know keep my normal tone but also not be too you know uh what's the word divisive or insightful <laughs> um but like i my theme was just like reclaiming him and like honoring him for actually what he actually believed and said and pointing out the fact that like when he died only 20 percent of white people and even only 40 percent of black people agreed with him he was an agitator and I did my poem, and then, like, Lily spoke right after me, which was That's really like, good. done on yeah. purpose. Yes, yes, yes. But even, like, some of the later guest speakers all had the same thing and the same theme of, like, keep his fucking name out of your mouth if you weren't down for what he's really about. And it makes me so mad. Like, I saw, like, Tucker Carlson and, like, all some of these fucking douchebags, like, that are totally against what he believed in. Taking shit out of context. Using his, like, quotes and his beliefs to, like, justify things they're saying. <laughs> I'm like, bro, if he was alive now, you'd be calling him a communist yes. fucking lib too, you <laughs> fucking asshole. So, you know, forever, uh, this is my uh, gear to grind is yeah. the misquotations and mis, you know, the fucking whitewashing. And gentr- I was at a line about the gentrification of Martin Luther King in the every, poem. Every beginning of the year, this is what Sean gets mad about a lot. So, you know, it's just, you know, and, you know, inevitably, like I posted the thing on mm-hmm. Instagram, someone, you know, uh, gets in trouble for how they characterize this day and some teacher called it the, the N-word day. Uh, yes. So uh, she uh, is under fire for that problematic <laughs> statement. Yes. Very. And people are still brave enough to do that. I know. You know? You know like, brave. Social media's out. People out there like, wilding. They don't care. But, uh, Was she from Florida, too? No, I don't know where that was. Yeah. But shout out to my students because we use the word problematic in class, uh-huh. and every time they use it, I know exactly what they mean. Uh-huh. It's just like our way of acknowledging <laughs> certain belief systems. <laughs> like, oh, that's kind of, I'm like, problematic, you would yes. say? Yeah, it's great. But that, yeah, that's grinding gears. Mm-hmm. And then before we go, you have a fuckboy of the week. Salute to fucking call, was it caller Gwyn? I don't know. 71. I can't read. But Collier Grin, 71. He's an art gallery owner in San Francisco. There was a homeless person in front of his spot, and he hosed her down to get out of there. 
Use the hose? Use the hose. Wow. Like, here's the... Here's the little, I mean, right the, now, I feel like we all have the same... Uh, and it's are, just are you guys the, picturing fire hoses in Birmingham? Because that's what I'm picturing. Dude, I'm picturing fire hoses in Birmingham. Especially San Francisco. Homeless population going up a lot. Oh, especially the weather like, now. It's wintertime. Yes. So, he... There was a homeless person. She wouldn't move. So, he grabbed the hose and started hosing her down. Yeah, and a lot of people obviously recorded and stuff Good. like that. So happy motherfuckers in jail right now. So he could do up to six months, I think, because it's like battery. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Battery. So six months and a two thousand dollar fine. Wow. But talk about dehuman. Like, yeah. The way people look at seventy one white man. What do you expect? Like not caring the about the homeless way people, people look at these people. Mm-hmm. It's problematic. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And also that's that was in the article was saying too. Back to Birmingham. You know. Yeah, as soon as you hear people getting hosed, it's like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I've seen this story before. <laughs> I've seen the news. Yeah. There were their dogs, too. So yeah, misdemeanor battery. He got, he finally got arrested. I guess he, he wasn't arrested for a little bit until people finally like was like, what the fuck's going on? <sighs> mm-hmm. Here's, I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, so it's in a, don't go to his gallery, uh, Foster Gwynn <laughs> Gallery in North Beach. There we go. Fuck you. <laughs> Well, uh, Vanessa, we want to thank you again for joining us. If people would like to look you up, how can they find you uh, if they want to follow your story or, you know, your company or or be involved with you? Mm -hmm. Uh, Best ways to connect for me are on the LinkedIn. So Vanessa Vancor. And then I'm on Instagram at Van Courage. So I love connecting with people, DMs, reach out. Any way I can help contribute, happy to do so. Well, thank you again for joining us. Um, Caesar, you have anything else before we go? Um, not really. <laughs> stay warm out there. It's cold. I've been worried about you in this cold. Yeah, but I stay inside a lot. <laughs> I'm like, it's so cold. It's, How's Caesar with this? Your boy's layering, though. We talked about this earlier. I finally got into layering. I got my little leggings on. I got, like, little socks, you know? <laughs> Good. We had a conversation in dinner. I was like, about seeing like Caesar in the cold. I'm like, you know, he was complaining in November. <laughs> but now I can stay out just a little bit more. You know, I got my attire. It's good to go. I can do you know, a little bit more walking in the cold and be out. Well, we're closer to spring than we are to the beginning of winter, and my need, friend. And I need to get out of town. I've been here since August, and I'm Weather's going, clearing up. Your boy's going a little there. crazy. So, so I need to leave. Well, this is Sean saying uh, stay warm, stay hydrated, and be kind to each other. Respect each other. Peace.